Well, this morning, if you're ready, I'm ready. Why don't we get into the Word? What do you say to that? As I mentioned, as we were uh, talking a few minutes ago, I'm, I'm planning on preaching the other side, part two, this morning. We began last week, if you joined us on our live stream service, talking about how right now we're in a process of progressing from the former to the latter. We're, we're in the process, we gave the examples last week, of going into and coming out of a wilderness experience, out of a time of isolation, which perhaps God was wanting to use for preparation and purification so that on the other side, there might be a Holy Spirit ministry empowerment to spread the gospel all over the world. We look too at Lazarus and how him going into a tomb for four days, proving the resurrection power of God might too have been a time of preparation, purification, making ready the way not only for Jesus to go and be crucified and resurrect and show himself as the true son of God, but also um, that was a time for Lazarus of putting off things from the former time, from his past side. And when he came out of that tomb resurrected, we looked at how the sickness did not come with him. Those clothes which stank because he had been dead for four days did not go with him. They took him off and left him in the tomb. And we talked last week a little bit about how right now we're going through a time. Maybe it's, well, we know it's more than four days. I think it's been more than 40 days. You know, maybe, we don't know how long exactly this time frame is. But what we're looking at with this series is what I believe God is really wanting to do through this time. We, we really emphasized the point last week that God, though he does not cause bad things to happen, he uses bad things for the glory of his kingdom. Amen. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. Well, I love him, and I believe that even in this terrible crisis and situation we've been enduring now for, I think Donna said it's been seven weeks I think she counted them up before service. Last time we met was March 15th, which was seven weeks ago. It's been a challenging time. It's been a time of great adjustment. But I believe that even through this time, and though there may be some inconveniences and some changes that have to take place, I believe it's a, a time, it's a, it's a situation that God can still use to work for good. I don't believe that there is anything beyond the power of God, beyond the resurrection power of God. A resurrection is taking death and turning it to life. Well, if he can take something dead and make it life again, then I believe he can take any situation I'm going through and turn it into something beneficial for his kingdom, for his child, which is me. Any other children of the Lord in this place this morning? Well, today I want to continue on this same thought because... You know, though I believe, praise the Lord, we're all meeting, all of us in this room together in person again today. You know, I think today is a step towards the other side. We're, we're, we're maybe taking a step out of the wilderness. We've kind of changed path and now we're walking back towards civilization. Does anybody feel like that this morning? I mean, this is probably more people than you've seen in the last two months. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, we're heading back. Well, it's a step at a time. You might notice Things aren't exactly the same today as they were eight weeks ago. We've got ropes on the chairs. Our lobby looks way different. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but we had our worship team spread out a little bit this morning. We're doing some things different. We're taking steps, I believe, in the right direction. We're taking steps towards the other side of this because we're going to get to the other side. But that may not happen all at once. I, I can guarantee you it's not going to happen all at once. 
beyond even the church. I mean, look at, look at the way cities and, and states are operating. Many are still closed. Many businesses are still running at a limited capacity or shut down in some regards. We're taking steps. We haven't necessarily arrived yet. So I want us to continue looking at this time. You know, as we're taking steps out, steps onward, steps upward, steps to the other side, I believe we need to continue to be aware of and continue to engage with what God's doing in this time. And I'm not going to preach exactly to the same message. I'm not, I'm not going to go over the, the grave in the wilderness to the extent I did last week again. But I want us to look at another scripture today, Luke 5. You can turn there with me in your Bibles. Love hearing those pages flip for those of you that are. Sound I've missed the last few weeks. Luke 5, verse 16. <clears throat> what we're going to look at today is the life of Jesus. You know, He is our Christ, our Savior, our Messiah. He is the one we all follow, don't we? We confess Him as Lord and Savior. We follow after Him. We live um, to, to kind of be in line with His example for us. And here we, we get an insight to what living around Jesus would have been like. Here we get an insight, if we're modeling Jesus' life, to what our life maybe ought to look like. Verse 16 says this, So he himself, talking about Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. There's a few things in this that really stand out to me. The word often the word wilderness, and the word prayed. Three things we see just out of, I mean, this is a pretty short scripture here, saying Jesus often throughout the course of his ministry would move himself away from everything that was going on. He would, he would take a step back from the ministry to the people. He would take a step back from, from his disciples that he was helping to grow and teach. He would take a step back from all of the, this, and he would go into the wilderness. The wilderness is representative of a place of well, one word, the word we're hearing today would be isolation. The, the word I would maybe give is peacefulness. Maybe instead of isolation or wilderness, we could say a place of, of awareness, of being in touch, being able to hear. You know, I've heard kind of the, the wilderness described this way before. You know, we live in a world that maybe is so loud, well, the wilderness is the place that's quiet. You know, in, in Jerusalem, they would have, I mean, if we're just talking about physical noise, they, they would have had the carts, they would have had the people, they would have had the marketplaces selling things. I mean, there would have been a lot of physical noise. Well, there also would have been a lot of emotional, soulful noise, where there's a lot to think about. You know, there's, there's a lot to um, have feelings about. There's a lot of communications and relationships to be aware of. There's a lot of noise in my soul. I think we could relate to that, too, maybe today. There's a lot of noise. And maybe the place of isolation, uh, the, the wilderness, so to speak, the place of awareness, maybe it should be one place. But I don't, I don't know if this is the case for you. I find it really hard to escape the noise of the world right now. I mean, it doesn't take much more than an internet connection to get a lot of noise into any place you're going. I mean, if I want it, I can have noise in my car. I can have noise in my home. I could have noise in my bathroom while I'm taking a shower in the morning. I could have noise anywhere that I chose to let it in. Well, what we see in Christ is he said often he would withdraw 
and go into the wilderness. Often he would withdraw from the place of noise, not just physical noise, but I believe emotional, soulful noise as well. He would withdraw from a place where he was weighted down by the thoughts of how are we, you know, ministry stuff. We got to get to this next place. We got to coordinate travel. I mean, Jesus had a a big ministry. I mean, if we made an example of that and kind of put it on a parallel with today, that would be like if I was traveling from Iowa down to like California and then over to Florida or something and we're trying to coordinate a ministry. Jesus was running a ministry. There would have been just practical uh, things that went along with that that would have meant noise for him. I got to coordinate travel. I got to, you know, make sure the finances are available and, you know, we're going to take this money here. We're going to eat at this place. You ever planned a trip? Anybody ever planned a road trip somewhere? They were always traveling. They were planning road trip after road trip after road trip. So it was like, how are we going to get there? Where are we going to eat? I'm sure the disciples had all kinds of questions because that's the way that they were. They were always asking him questions. He had a lot of noise. And so what he did is withdraw himself. And I love that it says, first, often. You know, we actually, we're not going to turn to all of the places for time's sake this morning, but I wrote down three, and there are more scriptures where it specifically says Jesus withdrew. withdrew. He pulled himself away to go and pray. Mark 135, Mark 646, Luke 918, those will just get you started if you want to go look at some of them. Frequently, often throughout his ministry, Jesus would take a step back. Go into the wilderness and pray. I kind of look at it this way. He was filling up his gas tank. He was getting himself filled up so that he could keep going. You know what I get out of this, which I think is important for us to note, is we're in a time where maybe we're more aware of, of God. Maybe, maybe there is less noise for some of us right now than what it had been before. Maybe we've got more time at home, more time to ourselves, where we've got a little bit more time to focus, where things are a little more quiet. What I see with Luke 5.16 is this. Jesus didn't just take one 40-day sabbatical at the start of his ministry and never take time to get away again. He did not have one wilderness experience that would carry him the rest of the three years he would do ministry on the earth. He often, regularly took time to withdraw into a quiet place so that he could pray, so that he could have communication, fellowship, with the Father. I believe, and this is really the main thought of today's message as we go through these next points, we cannot just take one time and be good for the rest. We, we cannot just take this corona time to step back from life, to pull back and get quiet and listen to God and pray to God and be in communion and fellowship with Him, but we must often withdraw from the things going on around us and, and I'll be honest with you, some people are probably having a harder time doing that now than they did before. I know that's not the case for everyone, but I think there's kind of two extremes to what's going on right now. You're either in the position where you've got, a lot, you've got more time, or you're in a position where you've got less time than you had before. I know there are people in that situation where, you know, maybe I'm saying, now you've got time, you can take the time to pray. Maybe you're not in that position at all today. Maybe for you it's like, I've, I've been working extra long hours. I've been skipping weekends. You know, I'm trying to catch up with church services by listening to a podcast later in the week or something like that. If that's your position and you've been more busy, what you need to do, the answer is to pull back, to withdraw, to fill up on the inside. Because if we don't do that, what happens is, you know, metaphorically, we run out of gas. We, we call it maybe burnout. 
We can't keep going because I'm, I'm so spent. I don't have anything left. Well, I believe if Christ is our new life, if Christ is who we believe sustains us, then we need time with him if we're going to keep going forward. If we're going to go to this glorious other side where we've been prepared and purified and now God wants to bring power through us, i got to stay close to him. I have to continue often withdrawing, going to a quiet place of prayer where I can meet with him. Psalm 119 verse 15, a scripture that I think pairs well with this and, and shows us another side of it. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. This tells me both about the place and about the content or what's going on in that time of withdrawal. Number one, and we've already talked this a little bit, the place where I'm going has to be a place where I can think on the things Christ taught. I have to be able to contemplate the way of Jesus in this time away. You know, I think the place we go can have a great impact on how effective that time is. You know, I, I even think about like going on a vacation. You know, there's like a difference in vacations. There's the really active vacations and then there's like the slower paced vacations. And there's probably people who like both of those. Those really active vacations, like I, I've heard people say this before, I need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> like now we've gone and we've done all these things. Now I need to take a, another week off and, and just like sleep in my house and just like rest. You know, there's a difference. Maybe you're pulling away, but the place you're pulling away to is not a place where you can contemplate the precepts, contemplate the way. Maybe my, my wilderness is not actually a place that's focused on me and Christ. Maybe it's just a place where my flesh and soul can rest. That's got to change. Christ didn't go into the wilderness like to skip rocks. I don't even know what, to, what else to say he would have gone in there to do. He didn't just get away to get away. He got away with intent. He got away with purpose. And so our time of pulling back, pulling away, even right now, we can use this time, if, if you're one of those who has a bunch of extra, or even just some extra time right now, we can use it to just rest our body and our soul, or we can use it to get close with Christ. But that's a choice. That's an active choice. Just being away from the other stuff doesn't necessarily mean I'm any closer to Christ. Just being in a different location, if I'm not engaging with meditation and contemplation and prayer with Him, all I'm doing is changing the scenery. So we have to make a choice that if, if I've got time right now, if, if I'm going to get serious about this other side, this glorious thing that's in front of us, this place that we talk about moving onward and upward to, a place of renewal and revival, a place of God's power moving in our communities and homes, then our wilderness can't just be, I'm relaxing. I'm relaxing. And it's tempting to do that. It is. I mean, it, it, and it almost, it can look like I'm doing a really good thing. Yeah, I, I take my time to rest, brother. I do. You know, I, I slept in until, I'm not even going to talk about the time. I watched a whole series on Netflix. I ate all the food that was in my cupboard. I'm rested. I'm ready to get back to real life. Well, I don't know, I don't, <laughs> I'm glad you're ready to get back to real life. But I want you to get back into a place where God's power is ready to move through you. 
I don't want to go to this other side of things being in the same position I was before. I don't want to be satisfied just having my flesh rested enough that I can make it another five work days before I need to rest it all again. I want to be in a position where I can step out every day as a vessel of the Holy Spirit in the world that I'm prepared and purified to a point that God's power is ready to move through me. Prayer is so essential. It's not just rest. It's an active decision to pray. We see that in Psalm 119. We don't need to turn there, but Philippians 4, verse 6, a commonly referenced scripture says, in everything by prayer and supplication. I'm not telling you that the only time you ought to pray is you know, when you step back. But I am kind of saying this. We ought to make specific times to step back more often, probably than we have before. And I, I don't know where everybody's at in their prayer life. I can say personally, I can do better. I, I can take more often. I can take more time. We just got an amen over in the back section. <laughs> I can do more often. And I would benefit from that. You know, this is, this is something I preached about a few weeks ago, but we can't look at time spent with Christ as time wasted from other things. I can't look at time I set aside to prayer like, oh, Pray, I, I can't look at that like I could have been earning money. I could have been getting sleep. I could have been doing all these other things. I could have watched that other movie I wanted to see. I could have, I could have, I could have. It is so beneficial. It is so building. It, time spent in prayer is a time investing into yourself that will make you so much better the rest of the time. I, I mean, it's, it's like eating. You know, I, don't, I enjoy eating. I don't know about any of you. I enjoy eating, so that is kind of a, a reason to do it. But besides that, when I put food in my body, I get energy to go and do stuff later. I get, I get strengthened to go and do stuff later. I think these times of prayer are kind of like that. We can look at it like, oh, it's a necessary thing. And I hope, you don't, I hope nobody looks at it that way, but someone might. And so I'm saying this because I feel like I'm supposed to. If you look at it that way, where this is something necessary, you know, it's, it's something I have to do. It's something I get to do because it builds me up and gets me ready to go on. It gives me the energy. It gives me, me the sustenance to go out and do what I'm supposed to do later. If I miss my prayer time, it's like I'm going to work on an empty stomach. If I miss my time with Christ, I'm going without the strength and power I need to be effective. And so it's so much better to take the time in the wilderness, to often step back and go to a time of prayer. Do you agree with that this morning? Amen. These times of prayer are essential. Beyond just the example Christ sets, I want us to look at a couple of verses in Acts. Acts 1.14 will be the first. We know that this is for us and, and not just for Jesus. I mean, he was, he was the Son of God. And so I could see there being people that say, well, that was just Jesus. Only he, you know, could step back for a time and go into the wilderness, and it was only him that needed to do that. Well, let's take a look at the early church. Acts 1.14, talking about the early church. This actually is, is interesting, because verse 14 in Acts 1 was the, immediately the next thing after Jesus had ascended to heaven. Okay, Jesus goes to heaven. The disciples, they leave the shore, and they're going back to Jerusalem. And this is the very next thing that they do. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. 
The very next thing that the disciples did once Jesus had ascended to heaven was go and pray continually together. Corporate prayer. And you know, I, well, let's just look at the next one. Acts 2, verse 42. Another scripture, just a little later on, it says, And they continually, steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. This is what the early church was all about. They got together. They got away from the noise. See, the location matters because it's, it's the environment you're in. I mean, if, if I'm like wanting to learn something, I don't go into like a busy city square. I don't go to downtown Des Moines and then try to like get taught something. That wouldn't make any sense because I would miss it. I wouldn't hear things. If I want critical information, I want to hear it clearly. So the environment makes a difference. The disciples... They weren't just out doing everyday life. They got away. They set time aside to come together and continue in prayer, studying the doctrine, fellowshipping together. There's something to be said for fellowship. I don't know if you feel it this morning, but it's good to be in fellowship today. Breaking bread and in prayer. They got away to be built up. And so I see with this that it was so clear Jesus taught them that this is what they were supposed to do. They knew from following his example, and they knew from his teaching, that in order to be effective, a time of prayer was necessary. I was just looking at churches and, and what have been successful churches. I would say the church in Acts is probably the most effective, most successful church in history. I mean, they took this following of Christ, which would have been a few thousand at that time, worldwide. I mean, here we are 2,000 and some later, still a part of this church. Well, it spread, I believe, because of the way they were conducting their time here. They were in prayer. They were being prepared. They were being purified. They were spending time in God's presence. That's what prayer is. It's time before God. They were spending time being made ready to go and do this incredible task that they would go to do. I mean, if, if someone showed up today and said, hey, I want you to take this idea. I want you to take this belief and spread it around the world. How would you feel about that? Would you be optimistic? All right, let's, let's do it. And they didn't even have Facebook or modern boats or planes or any of the stuff that we have today. And yet here we are 2000 years later, messages all over the world. It wasn't their methods. It wasn't their budget, it wasn't the technology that they had available to them. It was prayer. It was preparation. It was time in the presence of God that got these men and women ready to take this message all over the world. It was the way God's plan and His power was made manifest. I believe prayer was a precursor to that. Wouldn't you agree with that? Prayer is a precursor. That'd be something that's easy to remember, double P. Prayer is a precursor. It comes before. I can throw another P on there if you want me to. Prayer is a precursor to the power. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to see the power of God in operation yes. in my life, in my home, in my community. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray like I want it. Let's keep moving this morning. Leaving the wilderness. Stepping out of the wilderness. You know, there is, there's a time 
And I don't know exactly what that threshold will look like. I, and I don't know if it's going to be a clear line where we've stepped out and we're fully on to the other side. Maybe it's kind of going to be like walking from a, a beach onto you know, dry, like regular ground. Maybe there will kind of just be some sand and it will be a gradual stepping out. I don't know what the definite change is going to be like. But as we come out of this time, I believe we ought to come out looking different. I believe as Jesus left the wilderness, I believe he came out different. I believe he came out, well, these same, I mean, I'm, I'm just repeating the same words, but prepared and purified. Full of power, ready to go minister. You know, Jesus, he had lived on earth for 30-some years before he went into the wilderness, before he was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he went into the wilderness for 40 days to pray and fast. People knew him, and, and we actually later on, if, if you read through his course of ministry, there are times where he goes into a place where people knew him before, into his hometown, and people are saying, is this Jesus? I don't recognize him. Is, isn't he just the carpenter's kid? Don't we, just, don't we know his brothers and sisters? Is this the same person? There must have been something different about him. Don't you think? I don't know if this will... Be true for you. It's true for me. When I come out of times of prayer, times in God's presence, I'm different. I come out changed from the way I went in. I, I come out more excited, more ready to go and do the plan of God. I come out more peaceful, more joyful. There's, there's a wide range of things I believe that I get filled up with when I'm in the presence of God. How about you? You agree with that? I believe it's the same. We see it all through the New Testament. People spend time in God's presence and they come out changed. Let's look at Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. This is talking about the person that spends time before God. I want to be one of those people that spends time in God's presence. Now I wrote this down. I thought it was kind of a neat way to say it. People will notice when we have spent time in the presence, are you ready for this? Of the Son. Mm. You know what I mean? When we spend time in the presence of Jesus, I'm not talking about the sun that is bright in our sky. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. When we spend time in the presence of God's Son, we leave changed. It's like if I go outside, I mean, it's going to be like 80 degrees or something today. If I go out and I spend all day outside, I'm going to leave changed. I'm going to leave touched. I'm going to leave tan or sunburnt. I'm going to leave different than I went in with. It's the same with Christ. When we go into his presence and spend time with him, we're going to be touched. We're going to be exposed to something that we weren't before. And we're going to leave changed. And it's going to be noticeable. Psalm 24 talking about the person who spends time in the presence who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place in his presence he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully that he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation this is Jacob the generation of those who seek him who seek your face See, we see the people seeking him described here. 
the people who it says will stand in his holy place, ascend into the hill of the Lord. And the two, well, three really. There's three things mentioned here. Clean hands, pure hearts, and a soul that has not been given to an idol. If we read 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, what we're going to see is that you and I, as people who have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have clean hands, pure hearts, and our soul has confessed Him and no other. Let's read 2 Timothy 1.3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. I serve God with a pure conscience, with a pure heart. Does that mean Paul never sinned? No. It means that because he's received Jesus, he's been made clean. We all know that's the truth, don't we? It's not based on our works. It's based on his grace. He's made us clean. He's purified my heart. It's not dependent on me making every right decision. Though because I've been changed, I'm going to try to live with that. I'm going to live out that being the truth. I'm going to live different because I am different. But we're, we're, not, we're not hindered from entering his presence because our sin has been washed away from us. And I think this is so important because I, I do believe that it can seem intimidating to stand before God to get into his presence. I mean, if, if we have reverence for him as the creator and almighty, I mean, that, that could carry a little bit of intimidation if you think that you're not clean or pure. Oh, I'm going to go before him and he's just going to see right through me. He's going to know what I've done wrong and I'm going to be in big trouble. We've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Because I've been cleansed and purified, now I can stand boldly before Christ. I, I, I don't have to be nervous or scared about entering into his presence and if, if I pair my cleanliness with Psalm 24, then what I know is this. I am one of those that ascends into the hill of the Lord. I am one of those that stands in his presence. It's not something I have to go search for. I can, I can enter into the presence of God anytime. You know, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's living on the inside of me. He's with me every moment of every day. I can enter into his presence. You know, I think us entering into the presence of God the way that we understand it is solely dependent on us at this point. You know, like our, our ability to do it is solely dependent on Christ, but our choosing to do it is solely dependent on us. Whether I, I have qualified to go in or not, has nothing to do with me. But whether I will go in or not has everything to do with me. He's not far from you. He's in you. And so if I need to get in his presence, when I need to get built up, I don't have far to go. It's right here. It's me making a choice to get rid of the noise, to take a step back, and whether I do it physically or not, bring myself before him. Whether it's me coming to church on a Sunday and coming up to the altar and getting on my knees as, as my heart enters into the presence of God, or whether I'm driving in the car and I shut off the radio, turn the windows up, 
Still watch where I'm driving. You need to do that. But inwardly, stop thinking about all the stuff that's going to happen when I get where I'm going. Stop thinking about all the stuff that was said before I left this last place. And I, I begin to enter into his presence, focusing my heart on him rather than on everything around me. That's a place of preparation and purification. And it can happen often. I think moments like these where we really can take a big step back. You know, right now, some, not all, but some have the ability to really take a step back in the way that we're doing life. We can maybe take an extended period of time to continue focusing on him. You know, I I don't see Jesus do another 40-day wilderness experience through his three years in ministry. He went, and it was just regular meeting with God. It was regular time of prayer. And I think that's, some of us, we're not going to take a 40-day you know, Corona's going, maybe we're still going to work. Maybe you're essential and you're still going to work. Or you've got kids and you can't just like totally step back and do nothing all day. Every I don't know everybody's situation. But I can say this, whether you have the ability to step back and go through an extended period of focus on you and Christ, meditation and contemplation on him, whether you've got that ability or not right now, we all have the ability to often withdraw into a place that is quiet. And whether that is, I think physical quietness helps. I mean, maybe you have a different experience. I find that when it's physically quiet, it's a lot easier to focus my heart on Christ. Whether it's that or not, I think it's important that we take time often to withdraw into a wilderness or a quiet place so that we can meet with God. I wanted to share this scripture too, just a little further on in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I'm sorry, 1, 6 through 7. It says this, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What is the gift that's on the inside of us? It's the Holy Spirit. He says, stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Regularly, we need to be stirring up that gift of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. I believe this is what that prayer time, that withdrawal time, I believe this is part of it as well. It's it's prayer, consecrating myself, getting in line with God's will. It's supplication, making my request, my, my ask of supply made known to God. It's my thanks to him for everything that he's been doing for me, for how great and good he is. It is is the request for his strength, his grace, his help to continue doing what's ahead. It's, It's the request for direction, knowing what it is that I ought to go on and do. I believe it's also a stirring up of the Holy Spirit. Why does the word say that it does not profit my mind when I pray out in tongues, but it builds up my spirit, man? Well, it's prayer time. But it's not helping my understanding in any way. It's the stirring up of the Holy Spirit. Often. Christ, we see it often. The disciples, we see it not just often, but continually. They continued on in this way, praying. And they were a very effective church. They were were a widespread church, which we still benefit from today. 
You know, I want to wrap up. We're, we're kind of getting to the end of service time, and I know we have kids that have been sitting in their sections for a while out in our kids' room, so <laughs> we don't want to make them endure too long. Let's look at James 4.8 here. Kind of re, refocusing on, on this point of clean hands. You know, I believe this gives us insight into how we enter into these times of prayer, how we enter into these times of withdrawing. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And he just throws it right out there. Sinners, you double-minded. You know, I read this passage, and I think there is, there is the opportunity to get a, a very wrong view of how we interact with God. You know, I read it, and it's, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Okay, well, then it goes on and says, you know, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, get your mind right. And I think the temptation, or, or, or I guess the opportunity for a lie of the enemy to enter there would be this. You must do all of these other things before you can draw near to God. Oh, I'd love to pray. I'd, lo- I'd, love, to get, I'd love to be close to God right now, but my hands are dirty. My, my heart's got some other stuff going on. I, I've, my mind's been back and forth. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect yet. Praise the Lord, none of us are. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I don't believe that this is saying, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, get your mind fixed, and then you can come into God's presence and he'll get close to you. I, I don't think it's the way maybe we think about it where, oh, there's, you know, let's, let's just talk about it in terms of stink, okay? Let's say dirty hands, unpure mind, double-minded, double unpure heart. We'll say that person stinks, you know, the way maybe we would think to approach that is, oh, once they get cleaned up, then I'll go there. Once they get, like, why don't we get you a shower and then we'll talk, okay? Get cleaned up and then we'll meet. I believe with God it's just the opposite. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He, he's, being close to him, it's like I said earlier, it, our ability to be close to him is totally dependent on him, but our choice to be close to him is totally dependent on us. And when we draw near to him, it's, it's not saying fix yourself and then get close. It's saying get close and then you'll be fixed. Get close and then you'll be cleansed. Get close and then you'll be purified. Your mind can be renewed in that place. It can go back. We can look at it backwards. And we're probably never going to pray. Why don't people pray? Are they scared or intimidated? Do they think I've got to fix myself before God will listen to me? I've got to clean some things up before the supply will come through? See, God's not like we are. Praise the Lord. It's a good thing. He, he doesn't stack a bunch of qualifications before he delivers. Right. He delivers so we can meet all the qualifications. Glory. It's totally the opposite in Christ. So let's look at Hebrews 4.16. I might read one more after this. 
And I might get a little excited when I read this. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There's a time of need. And I'm not just talking about my own life. I'm not just talking about what I need. There is need. And the grace to fill the need, to help in time of need, is in the time of withdrawing. You know, we talk about how we're vessels, right? We're, we're God's vessel. He wants to bring things into us so he can bring things through us. The way that the world gets a supply of God's help in time of need is through us. And it comes when we spend time in prayer. You know, Christ lowered himself and made himself a man. He, he is a good high, great high priest, actually, is, is what it says in Hebrews. He's a great high priest. He lived where we live. He, he walked through what we walked through. He endured through temptation like we endure through temptation. He did what we did. He walked in our shoes. He didn't have to, but he did. And I believe part of that lowering himself to the state of a man was so that he could be the example and show us how we can be successfully used by God. You know, this is, this is a pretty bold thing to say. If Christ really lowered himself to the state of a man, gave up his divinity for a time so that he could come and be God's sacrifice, I would go so far as to say if Christ had not prayed while he was on the earth, he would have had no power. Christ had not prayed, he wouldn't have had the supply to give. If he had not spent time stirring himself up, fanning the flames of the Holy Spirit in him, just like we're to do, he wouldn't have done what he did. Maybe he still would have lived sinless, but the miracles raising Lazarus from the dead... I'm persuaded that, and, and this is my interpretation of the word, so you can agree with this or not, but I don't think he would have been able to do all the miracles he did had he not prayed. And I think this is why we see him often withdrawing into the wilderness to pray was because he needed the supply. He knew he was going to go and minister to people, and he wanted to bring them the power of God. I think it's exciting because that means when I spend time in prayer, Stirring up the Holy Spirit, I'm getting filled up with the power of God so I can go take it to people. That excites me. That means I get to be the vessel that brings God's power into the world. And I like that. Praise God. One more verse today, Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We got to believe. You know, faith, not only that He is God, that He is our Savior, but that He's a rewarder. You know, we, we, we can't just stop at Christ our Savior. I, I'm not satisfied with stopping at Christ our Savior. I want my faith to be big that He is too the rewarder, that He is too the, the giver. He is too the supplier. Beyond just saving me, 
He, he wants to use me. He wants to work through me. And I believe that. I have faith in that. So I guess this morning, if we're going to summarize up the message and kind of give you a, a final thought as we get ready to dismiss today, it's this. We have to withdraw. Often, we need to take the time to get with God, get close with Him. And, and not just to pray out in our mind. We ought to take time regularly, often, to stir up the Holy Spirit. To, as it says in Hebrews, fan the flames. I want the fullness of God's plan for me. And I believe that that comes partially through prayer. I believe that as we pray, we are preparing and purifying ourselves for God's power. Do you agree with that this morning? Prayer is a part of the plan. Let's pray today. And agree that as we go, I hope we leave encouraged in prayer. That not, it's, it's not even just for me. I'm going to be built up. I'm going to be better, more prepared to go out when I pray. But it's not even just about me. My prayer life, as much as it's for, for building me up, it's also for taking the message of Christ to the world. You know, when, when I look at our church like the church of Acts, and, and see that we're now that church. We're now those people that are supposed to be taking the gospel out into the world. Well, I want us to be a place of prayer. I, I desire to be part of a body that prays so that we're prepared to take the power. Do you agree this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for Jesus. Not only for what he's done, not only for what he's given. But we thank you for his example that he came and lived a life as we live. He lowered himself to the status and position of a man. That through his life, we would have both access and example. Through Christ, we have access to your kingdom. Through Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes. We thank you for the access and we thank you for the example that through the words he spoke, through the life he lived, he was our example in showing us what it is like to live with the gift of the Holy Spirit. What it is like to live as a child of God. What it is to live as a part of God's kingdom. Father, I pray today that we would see in our heart the value of prayer. And not just prayer in terms of speaking, in terms of asking or thanking, but also the kind of prayer that builds our spirit and edifies our spirit, prayer in other tongues. God, I pray that we would be moved and reminded to pray, to prepare, that we would see the miraculous power of God, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. That as we step into the other side, as we 
walk the path onward and upward to the other side of this crisis, I thank you that there is a renewal, a revival on the way. The window of heaven is opening up, that blessing is coming, that power manifesting is coming. God, we prepare as we see Jesus' example of preparation that we would be those through whom you bring power into the world. God, I pray that you would be glorified through my life. Do you agree that? Pray it out. Father, I, agree, I ask that you be glorified through my life. Use me for your glory. Use me to make your name known throughout the world. Father, we thank you that you chose us. You called us. And because we've responded, we've been chosen. We take that seriously. Christian is not just a label. Christian is an identity. It's who I am. It's who I live for. Jesus, it's for you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you today. We commit ourselves to serve you today. And all the days to come. We love you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you're encouraged this morning. I hope you're ready to keep on preparing. Keep on getting built up. I believe that God's going to do some incredible things. I believe that what's before us is always better than what's behind us. In Christ, that's true. So I believe that as we move onward and upward, there are glorious times ahead. Do you agree with that today?